This is Let's Talk Business with your host, Mark Ebinger. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Aaron Lofton, who has built a multi-million dollar construction and development career on his belief in what he calls the hustle and grind. Aaron, welcome to the show. Yes, sir, Mark. Happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. I can tell you work out a little bit. I mean... <laughs> you know, I, I don't work out at all. I just wear tighter shirts than you do. Is that what it is? That's it. That's, That's it. the secret. I, I, I naturally wear a large shirt, and this is a medium. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> I know they sell shirts like on TikTok now or whatever that are like built to make you look more yeah. muscular. I don't yeah. know. It's the Spanx for men. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, and I'm your host, Mark Evinger, the owner of Krukus Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in giving small businesses a competitive edge by hiring low-cost administrative and social media experts from outside the United States, which is how I built my entire company, and we are rocking and rolling. Very We're cool. doing the hustle and grind, as Absolutely. you say. Yep. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area or you're open to traveling here to San Antonio, you'd like to have your company featured on the show, visit our website at satalkradio.com, or you can call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210, and our guys will get you hooked up. All right, so Aaron, excited to have you here. Excited um, to be here. Thank I you. really enjoyed our conversation on Zoom because we always do like a pre, uh, you know, a pre-show yeah. Zoom. Uh, getting to know you is pretty cool. Um, obviously, uh, you're you drive hard. You know what I mean. Uh, we you go, play we hard. Go hard, yes, sir. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about your background. How you kind of got into the construction and really the entrepreneurship business. Yeah, um, I'm going to say probably 12 years ago, I started a painting company, and um, you know, prior to that, I was professional cage fighter. And uh, I was climbing cell phone towers and kind of the $18 an hour guy. And um, MMA was not paying the bills. Come to find out I had a baby on the way and I uh, started to settle down and, and realize that I needed some stability pretty quick. So a buddy of mine from the gym was like, hey, um, you know, why don't you start a little painting company? He worked for a national flooring company called Impact Flooring. Said, hey, I've got some accounts. You should come by there. I think the women are going to love you. All the asset managers, you know, they, they, they dig decent looking guys that are going to come in and actually do what they say they're going to do in terms of work. So came in and, uh, you know, the first property we went to was in Austin, Texas. That's where we're originally based out of. And, uh, first property I went to, they said, Hey, we've got 18 units. How quick can you paint them? And I didn't know how much paint cost. I didn't know what to paint, pay my painters. I had no idea what was going on, but I figured it out pretty quickly. And uh, from there they said, Hey, do you do carpentry? Do you do roofing? Do you do cabinetry? And we just continued to grow from there. So over the first five years, I was handling the marketing. I was handling the door-to-door sales. I was handling, I was a crew lead. I was a, I mean, everything in the business I handled 100% of. So that's really kind of how it started, how I got my how I got my feet wet in construction. It was by pure accident. Didn't really have a construction background. I just knew I had responsibilities to take care of. And, uh, and uh, that's kind of just naturally what happened. Did you make money on that first job? You know, it's funny. Um, no, I did not. We, we went in and they said, Hey, we're generally paying our painters 12 cents a square foot to paint these units. Well, each unit was about thousand square feet. So you can do the math on that. So trying to find guys that'll come in and, and paint a unit and you make a little money. We made money on a little bit of drywall repairs and some of the additional stuff, but really not on paint, but I was just happy to be there. And uh, it's so funny because about three months into the gig, 
they came to me and said, hey, we need to gut a full bathroom. It's got mold everywhere, and I charged like 4500 bucks to get that done. It cost me about two grand, and I, I really thought that was super cool. That yeah. day I made 2500 bucks, and I was like, holy smokes, dude. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm rich. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, I could see the potential there pretty quick. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it just continued to grow, made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, and uh, it was one heck of a learning process for me, one heck of a learning curve, but we made it happen. So, but why entrepreneurship? Why do it yourself? Why not just get a job? I mean, obviously the opportunity presented mm -hmm. itself. You just yeah. took action on it. Do you think it was just organic? It happened that way? Or is this like, you're like, you know what? I'm my own man. I need to do my own thing. I want to be my own boss and grow my own company. You know, I've always been a bit of a wild horse, I would say, uh, not necessarily fitting inside the box. Um, you know, I had a pretty cush job, and I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had a pretty good job in Tulsa handling, uh, doing marketing for a medical company. Going door to door, I had the, you know, the suit on. I was going to talk with um, account managers, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> physicians, uh, going, having these conversations, going in one-on-one. -on -one. I was paid decently. I was paid commission on top of a salary. I had the insurance, had the whole gig. And, uh, you know, I started training MMA. And... Uh, Fell in love with it, and I actually ended up quitting my job to become a professional fighter for the next seven years. So I had sponsors that took pretty good care of me, and uh, you know I got a nationally televised, internationally televised contract for three or four fights. And I said, man, how many people can say that they've done something like this? So I think life's all about experiences. I'm a big risk taker, always have been. It served me well in most cases. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it, man. I had some really cool experiences, really cool, met some really cool people. Had my nose put on the side of my face three or four times. Uh, I've beat some really tough guys. I've had my ass kicked on international television a few times, which is pretty cool as well. So a very humbling experience, some really cool experiences. What's the most exciting part of that, of the, of the fight? Is it the, the lead up? Is it the very start of the fight? Mm. Or is it really, obviously, mm. at the end of it, mm. there's got to be an exhilaration there. But yeah. what's the most exciting part of it? You know, uh, it took me a while to figure out which part of the process was most stressful. Mm. And for me, and, you know, being in combat sports for over 20 years, I've had these conversations with other fighters that even still compete today at a very high level. It's generally whenever you're standing in the cage and you're facing your opponent, and you got the referee going, are you ready? Are you ready? And you know I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah no joke. It, it's about to break out. But you get in there, you touch gloves, and you just kick into autopilot if you've prepared yourself well enough. Yeah. Once you initially lock in, you throw a couple of punches, you lock up in a grappling, uh, a, a grappling exchange. And uh, from there, you just kind of flow. You just breathe and, and make sure that you're listening to your corner and make sure that you're staying calm. And you might be in there for 15 minutes with this guy. So you don't want to go in there and, 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 and burn yourself out, which has happened to myself and other guys. So, sure. uh, but yeah, I would say that's the most stressful part of it is, is, uh, is that initial five seconds there with the referee. You're standing across from each other. It's, it's you, your opponent, and the referee, and you know, it's about to be real. So let's segue over to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to that part of it, I mean, there's there's some similarities in there because you have Absolutely. to be able to – got to have a game plan. you got to yeah. be able to pivot, right? And it's like what is it Mike Tyson said, everybody thinks they know what they're going to do until they get punched in the face, Absolutely. right? So how would you compare some of that 
to your initial entrepreneurship uh, launch? You don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I give this advice. I have the opportunity to mentor guys in different stages of their life, whether, you know, they've just retired from the military and they're wanting to get an entrepreneurship or they're younger guys that are hungry for more. In terms of preparedness for entrepreneurship, you're going to make mistakes. You've got to breathe and continue to put one foot in front of the other and hopefully learn from those mistakes and not make those mistakes over and over again. Second part of that, I would say, is to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right team that's either been there or been pieces and parts of this. I've got some really, really smart people, smarter people than me that work for me that handle a lot of the tasks that I'm not very good at. It took me a while to figure that part out. That's leverage, man. Absolutely. So, you know, um, whenever I first got into MMA, my coach had professional fights. He was a military combat expert. And, you know, a lot of my teammates had had 5, 10, 15, 20 fights. So it was good to lean on those guys early on and say, hey, what, what are the do's and don'ts leading up to a fight? What are you do's and don'ts with diet, with sleep, with, you know, cutting weight? I'd never cut weight before. My very first fight, I had to cut 25 pounds to go fight a guy in Canada on international TV. That was very stressful. How that carried over onto entrepreneurship is I know that there's going to be mistakes. I just try to keep a calm, cool head. We've made mistakes that cost us $50,000 on a Tuesday afternoon. A lot of people say, well, what'd you do to that project manager? I said, I sat down and had a very calm, calculated conversation with him, made sure that he's not going to make this mistake again. This guy's still been with me for the last three years, and he's an absolute monster of a project manager. So it's taking those opportunities and staying calm, not overreacting. I try to be the calmest guy in the room when the world is on fire. And that's why many of my employees will come to me in a moment of whether it's personal crisis, business crisis, or anything else. They'll come to me and say, hey, what do I do? And I say, well, first off, let's breathe. Let's go over exactly what happened, exactly what got us here, and what the best steps are. The next steps may suck, but you've got to do something. We can't sit, we can't sit here in paralysis and, and not continue to move forward. So as long as there's a learning experience there, you know, as long as their, their intentions are in the right place, you know, I'm a firm believer in giving people multiple chances and, and making sure that they can run their business like it's their own business. You have to recognize pretty quickly whether or not they have the skill set to do the job. Too, oh, absolutely. Right? And there's nothing worse than matching the wrong, you know, person, whether it's talent or emotional IQ, whatever it is, to the job. Very, that could be very frustrating. Then you're beating your head against a rock. I completely agree. Um, and, man, I tell you, I have been duped. We've had some guys that I said, man, this guy is an absolute all-star. Come to find out, might be three months, might be six months, might be 12 months. I find out that the guy's been stealing materials the entire time. He has been fabricating payroll, everything else. But every time I called the guy, he was 100% on point with his reports. Production was getting done in the field. Prop property managers love this guy. Uh, and this has happened on more than one occasion. So, you know, time and consistency, I feel like I've gotten much better at evaluating folks' character on the front end. Small inconsistencies that I've picked up on over the years have led me to make 
fewer mistakes when hiring folks and maintaining folks and giving folks more responsibility. Because I think the end goal here is as I have these employees and whether they started picking up trash at 12 bucks an hour and now they're a senior project manager running multiple cities, multiple states, it's important that they feel empowered and that they feel respected. There's other people out there that would pay them a little bit more money than I do, but not give them that sense of collective. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I would say kind of, appreciation saying, Hey, you're part of a family here. You've got a voice. If you got a problem, bring it to me. I don't care if it's business personal. I do a lot of counseling hours over the weekends with folks that are going through real life stuff. A lot of the folks that work for me are living paycheck to paycheck. And if they've got a voice just to listen to them, they may not even need money. They may need just advice to get through a really tough time. Well, there's a sense of self-worth there that you're really empowering people with. Absolutely. And, and there's a sense of purpose. I think that when, when you're like here, you're starting here, but you can go here. And this is the significant impact you can have along the way. There's a sense of purpose that that employee or that that that, that contract employee or W9 w, w or whatever it is, those employees are going to feel like they're part of something. Absolutely. And that's where leadership comes in. So with respect to leadership, what are some qualities you think you exhibit and that you think are important to exhibit when it comes to running you know, a company with respect to leadership? Great question. I would say, as I mentioned earlier, staying calm under fire. There's certain situations as a general contractor. So we've got the general contracting piece of this and we've got the development company. Most of my time is spent on the development on the, uh, on the general contracting side. And most of, we've got about a hundred people moving across the state right now. And whenever it comes to leadership, make sure that there is a mutual respect at all times. Even if there is a massive problem, you catch a guy in a fib, you catch a guy misplacing materials, whatever it is, I don't think it's necessary to have a negative conversation where you're chewing somebody's butt out and you're embarrassing people in front of their peers. Because even if he is stealing materials, even if he is fabricating payroll, you can still have a positive conversation and get him out the door without him stealing a bunch of other materials or man, we've had guys that have gotten that have been disgruntled because of the way that they were let go. They would go in on a Friday night, stick a rag in a sink on the third floor of an apartment complex and flood three units. And at that point I've got a $150,000 claim on my hands. So I never want somebody walking away and going, I can't believe that Aaron treated me this way. If anything, if they get caught, with their hand in the cookie jar and I catch them and I sit down and have a conversation with them and say, Hey brother, we all make mistakes, but this mistake we can't look past. What can I do to help you find a new job? What can I do to help you move on? Some of those people have come back to me a year later, two years, two years later, three years later and said, Hey man, thank you for the way that you treated me. I'm back. I've got a crew. I've got five guys. Can we please subcontract for you? And some of those guys are working for me today. That's really good. And I think that when people blow their top, you know oh, yeah. what I mean, when they get into a situation, oh, yeah. it's no longer about the situation. It's it's about the person who's blowing their top. It's emotion driven. It very much emotion driven, which doesn't make it wrong, but what makes it makes it uh it makes it counter 
productive. Oh, 100%. And, and it also, you're losing a lot in that process, and you could actually scare the other employees. Oh, yeah. And I don't know that that's healthy, right? I mean, obviously, if you just hold people accountable for the consequences, mm. that's all you need. Absolutely. And when you're calm, cool, and collected, that's even scarier. Mm. You know what I mean? When you could yeah. take care of business, this is the way it's going to be. Exactly. And, and, and But you're not losing your mind. And your employees are always watching. Yeah, they yeah. are. And and in general contracting, it's like a beauty salon. If there's one secret, if there's one rumor that starts over here, everybody's going to know about it. They're going to know about how you treated this person. If you, you know, you said you're done, there's no severance package, give me your computer, give me the car, you're done. And you're you're calling them names and getting into this argument over the phone and now it's become emotional, and now not only do I have this situation that I have to deal with in front of me, but now I've lost one hour, three hours of my day because I'm emotionally hijacked, mm -hmm. and I can't dial back in on the responsibilities that I really should be giving my time and attention to. Yeah. So back to leadership, I think, you know, obviously um, working, working hard is important, but the belief in yourself, that mindset when it comes to leadership as well. Um, what do you see yourself with uh, your mindset with respect to leadership? So I am not uh, a big book guy, unfortunately. Uh, I am not a big – it's really difficult for me to go take a course, absorb everything, and then put that into action. So for me, it's being thrown into the fire and making my own system along the way. So for me, for my own success, I have the opportunity to sit down with actual billionaires and see how they interact, see how they treat people. I've met with millionaires that act as if they're God's great gift, just really bad people. I've met with billionaires that want to sit down and have a $16 hamburger and just talk to you like you and I are talking now. So... I know that there's no one out there that is just so much smarter than me that they're the only people that can do what they're doing. So to your, to your question, in terms of my ability, my self-confidence, I know that there's people out there less intelligent than me that are doing more than me in my field. That keeps me humble. That keeps me hungry and says, Aaron, man, I can do pretty much anything anybody else can do as long as I surround myself by the right people and I can pick up whatever system it is that they're using. I may not completely agree with their system, but it gives me an opportunity to analyze it, to dissect it, and to make my own system that works for me. So, you know, in terms of self-belief, man, I don't think there's much that I can't do out there. It may take me longer than some other people, but man, you know, if somebody said, hey, Aaron, you know, if they came to me in 2008 and said, hey, over the next five years, you're going to do $100 million in business because of your ideas, your thoughts, and really that's all it was. I've got a, a, a development in Frisco, Texas, $53 million. And, man, if I listened to the first 50 people that said, no, you're crazy. You know nothing about development. You know nothing about finance. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, really good friends of mine that, that came to me that I respect even today said, dude, what the heck are you doing? You have no idea what you're doing. Well, here we are. And they're going, man, how did you do that? 
I, I believed in you the entire time. You know, these quietly, conversations. Right? I, quietly, I always <laughs> knew you were different. You were going to do it. You were the one. I said, yeah, well, I remember everything. And it, that's fine. But, you know, to have those opportunities and to see what I've been able to do with my own system and man, something that may take someone six months may take me two years, but I have an unbelievable amount of perseverance where I will just continue to put one foot in front of the other and keep marching. And, uh, man, I just, I just, I really can't take no for an answer. I just keep going. So there's gotta be a a 25 year old guy out there somewhere who's like, you know what? I'm thinking about doing this thing. I I feel like I want to move in that direction. And of course, he's going to encounter the same challenges, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's other people's limiting belief set that they want to project because that's the way they see the world. 100%. So if you could have a short conversation with this guy and give him some bullet points on, hey, this, this, and this can help you at least from now to six months from now, or this is the mindset that I, that I focused in on, and mm-hmm. uh, or maybe – what mentor should he seek out? What advice would you give a 25-year-old looking to go do something big? Great question. I'm having these conversations weekly with different guys in different phases of life. Some of them are the 25-year-old guy at the gym that's working a 9-to-5 that wants to do something different, whether it's driven by purpose or driven by money or driven by you know something that he's seen his peers do. I'm talking to other folks that have been in the military for 20 years, 19 years. They're about to retire. And they say, hey, man, I'm still a young guy. I want to go do something different. What advice can you give me? So there's different phases in life. The 25-year-old guy, I think it's important to have a mentor that you can trust that doesn't have an ulterior motive. That's tough because, again, I've been duped for 6 to 12 months with an employee that I thought was an absolute rock star that had my best interest in mind. So find a mentor that's been through the fire that wants nothing from you other than for you to succeed. Second piece of that, whatever industry, I've got a gentleman right now that is 25, 26 years old that wants to go out and start a farm. And he wants to do farm to consumer direct sales. So non-pasteurized milk. You know, uh, fresh organic eggs from grass-fed chickens, grass-fed beef. He wants to do that. And I said, well, what do you know about that? He goes, man, I don't, but I I definitely feel like I can make a difference in what people are eating, how people are getting their food, and what they're consuming. And so he's driven by a purpose first and by money second. I said, perfect. There's actually two or three different groups that are doing exactly what you want to do right now. He's He's... He's at UTSA. I said, why don't you reach out and see if you can do a, uh, an internship? And that way you can learn the do's and don'ts of what they're doing. There's going to be, you know, 80% of it is a business model. 20% of it is insider information where you're trying to figure out the best way to get the chickens from A to B or the best way to process the milk the fastest way or the days, whatever they're doing that's specific to the success of their business. It's important that you put your hands in that, that you learn that, and that you modify your own system. To other guys that are looking to get into real estate, like the gentleman that I have that's, that's, that's retiring from the military, he's saying, hey, man, I've got a little nest egg saved up here. Um, I don't want to do anything really risky. You know, I want to get into house flipping. I said, perfect. I don't flip houses. 
I know a lot of people that do, that I can trust, that you can trust just to give you honest feedback and honest opinions. So I think that's step number one is finding somebody that's been there that you can trust, whether that's by word of mouth, by a relationship driven, whatever it is, find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Why do you think that's important? I mean, I, I mean, the answer is probably obvious to a yeah. lot of folks, but I'd like to get your take on why is it important to find that hands-on mentor? Because we're not talking about mindset. Mindset may go along with that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the practical. This is what this looks yeah. like, and this is how it operates. Why do you think that's important? A couple of reasons. I think that, you know, my buddy from the gym that wants to go into to farming, he may get three weeks into this thing and go, oh, my God, these guys are putting in 60 hours a week and having to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and having to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then they got a whole other side of this of bookkeeping and that whole other side of this, the the legal ramifications that if something goes wrong, he may, <clears throat> he may get in there and completely change his mind and say, this is not what I want to do. I do not want to be covered in, 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 in cow dung up to my knees Tuesday morning at three o'clock, right? So also, uh, best practices, if it is something that he wants to pursue, what are their best practices? What systems do they have? Are they using some kind of really cool software that's going to cost him a hundred bucks a month? Or are they just using everything on a ticker sheet that's just, you know, they're just penciling everything in and, and there you go. So it's picking up those best practices and, and kind of looking under the hood. We have folks that come to me and say, hey, man, I want to get into flipping apartment complexes. Well, man, I can talk about that stuff all day long in terms of value add and the economics of that. I can walk an apartment complex of 300 units, and before I leave that property that day, I can generally have a budget in mind what it's going to cost to flip every single unit, to flip, to paint the exterior, to do the roofing repairs, to upgrade all the shared amenities. I've got that knowledge over a decade of experience. And I'm happy to share that with people that are authentic and that want to learn. So, and I'm happy to show them the dark side of it where, man, you're going to have stuff that goes wrong. You're going to have a roof leak that's going to haunt you for six months that you're going to continue to pour money in and pour money into. Is that something you want to do or do you want to stay away from roofing altogether? Whatever the specific specific trade is and the challenges that come along with that, the risk and exposure that come along with that, the sleepless nights that come up with saying, hey – I got a $100,000 payroll every single week. I've got $15,000 in the bank because my clients haven't paid. Are you prepared to, to face that? And that's a very real conversation. That's a very real problem whenever it comes to flipping multifamily is when are your clients going to pay? So <clears throat> whole new, completely different topic altogether. But it's important to find a mentor that will be real and honest with you, not give you the cupcake version of what they do and the Instagram version of the highlight reel of look at my life, look how handsome I am, look how much money I make, look at my success story through this optic that's going to make you say, that's the life I want. Man, there's a very dirty, grimy piece of it that got them there if they truly are what, they're, what they are throwing out there on social media. What about who you surround yourself with? You know oh, what I mean? So now we talked about the mentor side of it, right? Talked a little bit yeah. about mindset, but mindset's also going to go into the people that you surround yourself with. We've, we've heard the saying over and over again about you are who you surround yourself with, right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, Absolutely. but that's the gist of it. So uh, w- what have you done in that space? What do you recommend people do in that space? 
I have mentors today that have been with me 10 years, five years, one year, three years that I respect in a specific industry that I know don't have an ulterior motive. Now, some of these people I pay as consultants because it's fair that I'm paying these people for their valuable time and the education process that would save me years of trial and error, right? So whenever it comes to the people that I'm surrounding myself with, I love fitness. I want to be around other people that are into fitness and have an entrepreneurial spirit. That's my, that's my, my lane, right? And I can, I can go into any lane. I can jail with anybody. I have a very, I have a very good ability to sit down and empathize with anybody and what they may be going through in life because I have been through it all. And I'm telling you all. So for me specifically, fitness driven, um, entrepreneurial spirit. And, um, you know, I go out, I can be social. I don't drink. Um, you know, even guys that I see at the gym and, and there's gym room locker talk, you can tell a lot about a guy about even guys that have been married 10, 15, 20 years and not being honest with themselves. And they're saying, you know, pretty girl walks by and they're, you know, they're saying, Oh man, the things I would love to do to that. It can tell you a lot of, and I've been that guy. It can tell you a lot about a guy's character whenever they let their guard down, when they let their professionalism down and they say, Hey, this is who I am. So, you know, I can still be acquaintances with these people, but in terms of, you know, if I've got a business decision or if I've got a business opportunity, is this the type of guy that I want to sit down and, and ask his honest opinion? For me, no. So surrounding yourself with people that are where you want to be is really, really important. And there's people today that want to be where I'm at. And I make sure to give them my best version whenever I sit down and talk with these guys to say, hey, here's the good, bad, and ugly of entrepreneurship. It's all very doable. There's a lot of people out there, a lot less intelligent than you and I, that are out there doing major, major things just because they, bu they buckled down and they put a process in place. So I'm happy to have, I'm happy to be that guy for younger guys that are coming up that have questions about, you know, whether they're insecure. I have guys that are really good looking guys that are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. They got the pretty girlfriend, the awesome car, and they come to me and say, dude, I am dying inside. I am absolutely dying inside. I don't know why I'm sad. Well, you know, how much time are you spending on social media? First and foremost, what are you doing to supplement fake dopamines along the way? How often do you wake up, do you put your phone down, you walk outside, and you just stand in the sun and stretch and breathe? That's natural dopamine. Today, the society that we're dealing with, in my opinion, especially the, the 19 to 30-year-old guy, is so deep into social media that it can destroy them because what you're doing is you're looking at everybody's highlight reel and no one's going to be on there and say, dude, I've filed bankruptcy twice. I've gone through a divorce. I am sad and lonely and miserable. 
I am, you know, whatever the challenges are in life, real life challenges. I have cancer that I just found out about. Whatever the situation is, there's very few people that are willing to be completely authentic and, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where they're vulnerable. There's very few people that are willing to be authentically vulnerable on social media because they want the likes. They want those false, in most cases, false friendships of complete strangers that are also just showing their highlight reel. So when I'm, and I know this is a, you know, a longer answer to the, to your question, but when I'm trying to mentor guys and showing them who they need to surround themselves with, don't surround yourself with the guy that is, that is taking a selfie at the gym with his, with his shirt off and, you know, whatever the situation is, make sure that you're not following the guy on social media that looks cool, that looks like he is succeeding. Because even if he is succeeding, if he's not making his money directly through social media, there's something off there. And you should, and man, I've seen it. I know these guys. I know a ton of these guys. I know a ton of these girls that have a million followers on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the social media platform is. And a lot of them are completely empty inside. Yeah, what a they're, shame. They're waking up on Saturday and Sunday morning going, man, I just want an authentic relationship. I want somebody to wake up next to that is not going to judge me for not having any makeup on, that is going to see my stretch marks or my rolls or whatever the situation is and just love me and appreciate me authentically. I think that's what's important. That's what a, a big part of our society is missing, especially the guys that are coming up and wanting to be entrepreneurs. You know, I think that social media is actually a good thing that way and that it we're we've gone so far at some point we get to that point and i think we're i think we're pretty much there i mean i see it where people are craving authenticity they're saturated with inauthentic things mm -hmm. and lifestyles like we're talking about but now they're searching the authentic and i've heard that like uh, i remember about a decade two decades ago um, i had the total belief that college was one of those things that was a limiting factor mm -hmm. and it, it was in the future it was going to be character was more valuable than mm -hmm. a college education yeah. and i think we are definitely there mm -hmm. as we wrap up what are your closing thoughts on you know character when it comes to um entrepreneurship great question character and entrepreneurship i've been the bad guy i've been the guy chasing women, uh, putting out a false presentation of myself on social media. I have been every character that you can imagine out there. And it's a sad and lonely place. It truly is. You want someone that is going to appreciate you, male or female, friends. You want to have authentic friends that know you, appreciate you, and say, hey, man, I value you. If you ever have a problem, no matter what that problem is, it can be pornography, it can be alcohol, it can be drugs, bring that to me and let's have a judgment-free, authentic conversation to surround yourself with, with those type of people. Um, I mean, that's a, it's a great point because not everybody, to be vulnerable, which there's, yeah. a, there's a huge element of vulnerability in what you're talking about yeah. there. On the part of the person listening, yeah, empathy's mm. there. But for me to listen to you talk yeah. about stuff, 
means I have to empathize, but I'm also being vulnerable. Otherwise, you're going to pick up on that I really don't care about Absolutely. what's going on or that I'm, I'm putting myself maybe above. So that's a whole other vibe yes. in there. But, yeah, I, I think so. I think that uh, character is super important. Like you mentioned, somebody who comes in representing themselves as being uh, really, really good, but then they steal yeah. from you. And, and And my last touch on character is to – be comfortable enough in your own skin that you're authentic with people. That's really tough to do. It took me until I got 32, 33 years old before I said, man, who's the guy you want to be? I knew I cared about people. I have a very big heart. I'm very empathetic. But I still was self-driven by my own goals, right, by my own image. And if I don't watch it, I mean, that can still creep up on me. It can still creep up on anyone, right? Character. How do you treat other people? I treat everybody identically the same. If you are the busser at the restaurant I'm eating, I treat you with the same dignity and respect of the folks that I've sat down with that are multimillionaires, multi-billionaires, that you just, and if you do that, there's an authenticity that comes back to you. Whenever I go to the gym now, whenever I go to the same place, I go to the same five restaurants, I go to the same two gyms, I go to the same sports recovery centers. Everybody I know there, whenever I walk in, it is a genuine smile back and forth because I've built that rapport. I've been authentic with them. I've listened to what they have to say. And I feel like I brighten people's day just by being myself. Being authentic. Being, uh, being authentic. That's like I was saying earlier. We, people cra- are craving that, I think, more than ever. And I think COVID mm-hmm. hit us hard enough to understand it. This all the separation stuff that's going on, people crave those connections. Well, listen, uh, it was great. I'm getting to know you, kind of going over your story. Yeah. Um, if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, so I've got a website, AaronGLofton.com. And, you know, everybody hits me with a A.A. Ron joke, which is funny and I, I humor it, but it's it's Aaron with one A. A-R-O-N-G-L-O-F-T-O-N dot com. Uh, all my direct conf- uh, contact information is on there. Easy to get a hold of, man. I love to help people out and, uh, you know, all levels of life. I've been through it all and uh, happy to give back. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. All right. As we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video uh, versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for this episode. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate your time. Definitely.